Guys, hello and welcome back. I'm Jojo Fraser. It's time for a Mojo Injection, episode 114. Woo! Welcome to the den, guys. We all need a den, don't we? We all need a cave. They're not just for man cave, whatever. We all need a cave. And this cave always has the intention to allow you to feel lighter, allow you to feel like it's okay to say anything. There's no judgment here. You can say whatever you want. You know, my guests share some really intimate stuff. And wow, that's what makes a great conversation, right? We're not meant to hold on to our negativity. We're not meant to hold on to resentment. We're not meant to hold on to our fears and our, our, our stuff that can weigh us down. Is it time to remove some baggage? Well, you're welcome to here. And um, I'm just so glad you've come back. And also, although we discuss some really, you know, important stuff and we encourage you to share, life is also about having fun and changing our mindset. And that's why we always end with a song just to lighten things because music is amazing. And I know this week I've been really dancing around with music when I get a chance. And I, I started learning another song on the piano Boom, 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 boom. I want you in my room. If you're alone and you need a friend, someone to make you forget your problems. And I'm, I'm working out the keys and stuff and my little boy comes in and switches it off. Switches the piano off at the wall. It's an electric one. And I was like, you're such a monkey. But, you know, we have these moments in life, right? And for me, that was a bit of a low point, you know? I'm lost in music, you know, we get interrupted. It's not good for the mojo. Perhaps you're homeschooling, holy moly, sending you loads of love. But life isn't always easy. And it, for me, as I said in the blog at mummyjojo.com, where many of you come to read my um, my kind of thoughts and my, my mental health tips, you know, focusing on the small things, because sometimes the small things are the big things focusing on the small things have really really got me through so I'm really thankful for those small things and I'm thankful that you're back thank you perhaps you're a regular listener amazing to have you back perhaps it's your first time here you're so welcome it's a friendly space um, I will put a caveat there a year ago I had a full-on breakdown actually went high and a couple of podcasts when I listened back to that time yes I actually had my phone um, and was able to create content in a very, very unwell frame of mind. And when I listen back to those episodes, wow, um, my mind was so broken. I was so paranoid. I was so traumatized. And it's scary to think where the mind can go, especially when you've never been through anything like that before. It's really scary to think where our minds can go. And that's why we need to talk about things. We need to spread love, we need to sleep, we need to be kind to ourselves. we need to just, yeah, spread that mojo. So my guest, Fran Gulhuli, I'm calling him Fran, I love it, but he's also very well known as Frank Gulhuli through his performances in Game, Outlander, River City, he was a bit of a villain in River City, um, so you may know him through that, he was a rapist, I was saying how do you do that role, and he was, Fran was actually saying that in the street that he'd been challenged by people who actually really believed him, they were like, John McLean, we hate you, I'm like, no, John McLean's his character guys, give the guy a break, um, he's also acted in The Guardians of the Galaxy, and um, do you know what I love? Although he's done all these amazing roles, you know, Fran talks about how 
you know, he's a landscaper. He's been one since he was 16 years old. He grew up the youngest of seven in a working class Scottish mining community. And he's such a great landscaper. His business is still going strong, but he's also an amazing actor. And and what we were saying last week as well, with Lisa on the podcast, is we can all have so many talents. You don't have to pigeonhole yourself. It's just one thing. The landscaper turns actor and also (laughs) which is really where we get deep um, from 2007 Frank began attending life-changing performances and positivity class uh, with the acclaimed LA coach to the stars Bernard Hillard and in 2015 was asked by his newfound mentor to become teaching too and I could see why he was asked because when you listen to this conversation he's so authentic he's so real he's so raw and Frank now teaches life-changing emotional resilience classes and master classes and online sessions for performers and non-performers across Scotland and it's going really really well and we need all this stuff now. As part of his own spiritual journey Frank began, began ar- arranging bucket list charity events and in the last four years he cycled across the western Australia Look out for a quiz on my blog and also on at the end of this podcast. I'll need you to answer a question and you'll be in a chance for winning Frank's book. Um, we'll get sent to you. He's walked the West Highland Way and recently took a team of 10 to scale the tallest freestanding mountain in the world, Kilimanjaro. He has 50 people signed up for the Great Wall of China eight-day trek in 2022. What a legend. If this isn't enough, his political thriller, Betrayal, has just launched um, on Amazon Prime. And his in-depth 600-page mental resilience book, Avoiding the Downward Spiral of Fear, has been released. And as I say, you've got a chance to win a copy. So I'm certainly going to be reading it because Frank really inspired me. Or Fran. Make up my mind. What am I calling him? Fran? Frank? Doesn't matter. Um... His motto is life supports what supports life. He is a happily married father of three wonderful sons and he's just so full of energy. Thank you, Amanda. Amanda Trainer, who was on this episode last on this podcast last year. She was amazing. Introduced me to Fran and I'm so glad she did. Um, because yeah, what a guy. So all the love, guys. Let's jump in. Let's do this. Let's be inspired, guys. Mwah. You got this. Mojo injections all around. Okay, Fran, welcome to the Mojo Injection. Excellent. Thank you for having me. It's very nice. Thank you for giving up your precious time to have a wee chat and help boost up the mojo of our listeners. <laughs> no, it's a delight. It's a delight. Anything I can do to help. I love this field and I've done one or two of these sort of things now, so I'm enjoying it. Oh, well, great. No, I'm really excited to, to sort of share, get d- dive deeper into your story and inspire people and myself. Um, it's part, <laughs> partly selfish reasons why I do this, because I get a lot out of it, but then it's great to be able to share it. So, so it's really nice to have you here. So, Thanks. So I gave a brief intro about your life and you were saying that, would you say you're most known for your time, was it Still Game, you said, or River City? Or Atlanta, or <laughs> uh, it's a funny one because each time something comes on, you get loads of social media re- friend requests from different people, and that. So, still game. I was one of the lucky ones. I was in years ago mm-hmm. when they were, you know, the early still games, and then the guys were brilliant. They had me back for the new ones as well. So, my character's a bit of an animal. 
it's funny dive in and watch like i'm really intrigued i should it's really good it's really good it's not so good when people shout some of your punchlines at you as they're driving past <laughs> uh, it's it's a bit of bizarre the the one of my lines in it is quite a funny line where i shout knee points prick i've had that shouted at me i don't know five thousand times uh it's just it's just weird but it's it's just it's weird but it's funny <laughs> i love like all the acting because like outlander what a cool like it's got such a following isn't it um like river city right. what's your what would be your most uh, it's hard to sort of pick a favorite when people ask you stuff like this but do you have thought i don't know it was it was great to be do you know they're all different and they're all different for different reasons like like for instance uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was brilliant. It's such a massive, massive movie, a big Marvel movie. Uh, and it's you just have to, what I have learned, you have to take the rough with the smooth because you, you watch the movie for the first time and when you see all these different scenes that you were in that they've cut, right. you take it really personally. Mm. But then you think, I look at that and I think, well, wait there. I was in that scene with Dave Bautista so Saldana and Chris Pratt, and they cut, 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 so they cut all these different scenes. They could have made the film twenty hours long. That's the, that's the problem, and they take the very, very best. So sometimes you've just got to suffer with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I suppose one of the great things I really always wanted to work with Ken Loach, and it was a, a pleasure working for him. Uh, it's a free world was the name of the film, and it was just great. He's such a, I don't know, he's just such an icon. I share his politics as well, so. That was fantastic as well. Uh, the guys on River City, all of them, they're absolutely fantastic. But I did have a wee bit of a problem with that way because I played an ancestral rapist. Yeah, it must have been quite today's, intense. Aye, in today's social media, it's quite hard because uh, some people, they forget to make a difference between you as a person and your character. Really? And, aye. And when you get... Uh, it's, it's really weird when some people come at you with comments online. Like I, I've seen certain people on different forums and I, eventually I just stopped looking because they're saying like, if I see that bastard, I'll stab him in the face and all this sort of thing. You know, it's like, you know, uh, it's just bizarre, bizarre. So f people really take that to heart sometimes, real staunch fans of things like River City. So you've just got to... I suppose you just separate yourself from it, you know. But was it was it challenging to to sort of do a scene like that? Uh, well, it, it's really strange because the way it was brought in is that it had already happened. So it was brought in that I'm meeting my daughter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Gail Telfer Stevens, who plays Caitlin, is my daughter in it, and. When we first meet, she has no idea. Uh, so it's it's really interesting. It's it's a challenge because you must love your character no matter what he is. Otherwise, you know, how could you portray the character effectively? Mm -hmm. So if you're a serial killer, mm -hmm. you've got to love the fact that you murder people because that's what you're into. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So to to do the emotional journey. Uh, it was quite hard because I get in and I, I need this whole family because it happened a while ago and I'm just desperate to sort of pretend it never happened and be with them all and then 
you get found out in the biggest way possible and a huge wedding day expose sort of thing and it's you know it's a uh, it's it was really you know they're all brilliant and it was an absolute pleasure to play them yeah who knows they might have them back uh, he's not dead <laughs> yeah. so we'll see what happens goodness so you were saying that this the kind of whole acting thing started in your 30s is that right yeah Aye. It started, it was actually right around my 30th birthday because we actually, on my 30th birthday party, they, me and loads of the members of the cast of a play called Wave Me Goodbye from the Edinburgh Theatre Workshop all went out to my birthday party for my 30th. So uh, there was loads of us, it was really good, but uh, that's when it started at the Edinburgh Theatre Workshop, mm-hmm. which is sadly no longer with us. Uh, that was a great experience, it really was. Uh, I went to sing a hit song and uh, it was the, the Chattanooga Choo Choo and it was a a wartime play and it was what I loved was the casting because they cast me I'm fairly big and they cast me as the cowardly conscientious objector so it was it was really interesting playing that I've got to say it was a a memory I'll never forget uh, it was really good and I, I think that's what acting is it's just a journey a brilliant memories it really is. Did you realise at that point, was there like a light bulb moment, you know, right, this is really what I want to do? Or Do you know what? There maybe was actually, uh, because I, I think I mentioned this in my, my book, uh, when there was a part where, like, I'm the, I'm the cowardly conchie, right? Uh, and everybody despises me for being a coward because I won't go and fight. But mm-hmm. nobody's asked me why. They just think I'm a coward. But what they don't realise is it's because my three other, uh, three other brothers were killed in the war. Mm-hmm. And they were killed at the very start of the war. And here's me in this community, uh, probably getting to know everyone, but I've decided I'm no, I'm no going. And I had this thing about I wanted to do... I get I, I get this uh, moment where I'm really put down by somebody I love, and we've just had a, on the way home from the Christmas party. We've just had a big snogging session, and she pulls away and she's like, ah, oh, I can't. She's we've had a drink and that, and she's like, I can't believe I fell for that. You, you're you're a coward, and uh, and I finally have this burst. A, uh, well, I tell you why I didn't go. And it was, I played a Glaswegian character and the, the line is, I had brers, right, I had brothers, I had brers. And I'd made a choice and I, I went against the director, which I hope there's no directors listening because you, you've got to do what the director tells you. But I really wanted to do it where I was breaking, I was going to cry because mm. I'm sick of it, it's hurt me so much. Mm. So I felt my voice should go up. So I was like, I had brers. And I, I was like that. Well. When I got the reaction, I could see in the audience, it only takes a couple of hundred seats, but I could see the amount of hands that went like this. Uh, People in, totally engaged with it. It put me off. I thought something had happened. <laughs> so that, to me, it felt brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then when I seen different newspapers, I'd never, yeah, I'm a landscaper, I'd never even seen a stage before this. So to have newspapers write something about this. It's only amateur dramatics, but to see them uh, 
write about and mention my name a few times in a really positive way. I was like, huh, that's really cool. So uh, yeah, it was good. It was it was really good, and it's it's just since then it's played a part in my life ever since. Wow. It's really good. Such a buzz to do something like it's it's art. It's kind of like you know when you've got that passion and you're able to get a reaction like that. It's just it's amazing. Aye, it is, and it's to get that sort of reaction. You've also got to be blessed to get the role, uh -huh. you because know? you've got to be able to. You can only get that reaction if you've got the kind of lines and that kind of role. So that was really great, but it was a lovely launch pad, uh, and that sort of led to me getting a part in the Edinburgh Festival uh, for a John Godber play, where yeah. I, I played Alec Rowley, the butcher mm. from Yorkshire. And uh, the, it was really, it was really good. He, that character as well was great, and that's where I got picked up by an agent, who, funnily enough, she thought I was from Yorkshire, so that was really cool. Wow! And and how did things change from you know being picked up by an agent? Did that really just set things up a gear for you? Well, you've got to then make sure you do things right, and you've got to get yourself a show reel. And uh, it's funny, it's the stuff I teach in my classes now for actors, but. Uh, you've got to get your show, sell a showreel, you've got to get photographs, you've got to, you know, you are the product, mm -hmm. so you've got to sell yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, I remember I just made up this completely random scene in my garage and looked right down the camera, which back then broke all the rules. You know, you're supposed to, I'm supposed to look over here sort of thing as if I'm adjacent to the talking to somebody that the camera's looking at. I, I don't believe in that and it's changed very, you know, it's changed considerably since then. Uh, even though a lot of the universities will still teach you to look to the side. But it was, so I just done this scene with a big cigar as if I was some hard man gangster guy and I'm threatening the guy down, straight down the camera, telling him where I'm going to bury him. And just just even the, the cigar and the whole feeling, and I edited it quite well with a slight undertone of music and that, and that got me my first uh, part, which was really good. It's, I think you just, if you enjoy it, there's a golden rule, if you if you enjoy it, you'll be good at it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that goes with everything everything in life. Yeah, it's amazing. Because to go from like landscaping, which I guess is a form of art as well, um, mm -hmm. different style to go into. I mean, I and the thing is, what's great for me, I'm very blessed because I've still got my landscaping company to this day. Wow. So... It's just, it's always there. It's uh, If I get too busy or if I go off somewhere acting, you know, I can just close down and I'll come back to it again. It's, I suppose it's like a soft cushion. It's always there for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I suppose I only take on jobs that are very creative, to be fair. I enjoy really creative uh, work. So, and I keep it nice and simple. I've got a very simple life now. <laughs> Simple life. Well, well, I mean, you're doing so many great things, though. So from the coaching, is it primarily actors that you work with to help or do you have a, a range? It was, but, you know, it, it really was. But now there's been more and more people coming to me who have nothing to do with acting. And uh, it's great seeing the changes that happen in their life because uh, what blocks you in performance blocks you in life so it's the exact same thing to help a performer albeit they don't, they don't have to do scene work and things like that but 
uh, it's the exact same thing. So doing these really deeply emotional exercises that allow negative energy to leave your body in the form of tears mm. to make way for positivity come in like a sponge is a, it's the same whether you're a guitarist, a poet, an artist, or a, a baker, a policeman, or a teacher. So, yeah. uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's something I love doing as well. Just seeing the change in people. I think uh, Amanda will probably have seen that in me. Uh, and when Amanda, Amanda wrote, I asked Amanda if she would write the forward in my book. And she was great. And she just, oof, she just poured everything out in this forward. And it's a great introduction because it's, it kind of sums up what I do entirely. Uh, and then the, I suppose the, the forward by her sums up what I do and the rest of the book sums up how I do it so she's brilliant she really is she she uh, I keep on saying it's like when you've got things to say to let off your chest it's only by sharing that you can start to find a platform and from which to heal and uh, it was a really nice thing when she said she'd been doing I don't know a year or two with different parts to the NHS for uh, to help her get through what she'd been through uh, and she says after one night one night in my class had done more than that entire time with all their different uh, employees or psychologists or whatever so she's that was a great a great sort of uh, uh, testament to how efficient or how effectively it all works you know That's it's something something that starts immediately Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it was interesting what you said about you know when you can release this negative energy and I think when you I've done a bit acting and actually had a massive opportunity before lockdown and um, but I ended up in hospital and then lockdown so Aww. maybe it'll come back um, but um, acting I think the more present I am the better performance because it's like you're really in the moment and you're there and you're all in you know whereas Aye. in terms of you know when we're not present we're either you know stuck in the past as you say and you speak a lot about trauma and I think there was a list there was abandonment betrayal rejection loss um, pain <clears throat> and it, it's, it's yeah it'll be bereavement it'll be one of them uh, there, there is the all these things are like the sort of primary damages that cover every damage you could ever have yeah. And these are the sort of things, if you've had any of these things, that uh, everyone, sorry, everyone has had. There's mm -hmm. no one that hasn't had any of these things. No one. Mm -hmm. And anyone who has, i.e. all of us have, needs to heal. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is, who has put the time into healing? You know, the first thing that will happen if you, if you uh, trip over and break your arm, straight to hospital to get it fixed mm -hmm. but you know what society is like is that the first thing anybody has an emotional problem mm -hmm. what the term mental health issues but it's mostly it's, it's emotions mm -hmm. but when people go through this and sometimes they don't know how to articulate it or or bring it out to discuss it but the first thing everybody so society sees it as a sign of weakness and it's changing but society because society at whole sees it as a, a form of weakness people hide it and the more you hide it the worse it gets because mm -hmm. you have to go to effort to hide it mm 
And if you don't want people to find out about you, you hide it. So you start changing the way you do things. So everybody will think I'm okay. Everybody will think I'm great if I just do this. And it's, it's, it's such a shame. So if we can just get through that barrier, I think we're getting there. Uh, the mental health issues sort of barrier where everyone's afraid to talk about it. We need to get to the point where it's just like going to get your arm in a cast. You can go and speak to somebody about your mental health. It's it's getting there. It's uh, it's amazing. Like I started campaigning six years ago about for mental health, just to break the stigma. And uh, I've noticed a huge shift in that time. But still having my own scare last year and I was sectioned, which, you mm. know, for my mental health, it's always been really, obviously we all have mental health. So I've had stress, I've had anxiety, but all in all, I've been quite a happy, stable person. People would come to me for advice because I'm very um, vulnerable and I say it how it is, WYSIWYG. So that's yeah. what helped me with my mental health. But there's a lot of things that may have triggered, but I had a, a hypomanic um episode some said it was full-blown mania i've never been diagnosed with bipolar or anything like that but i've always been a bit weird for being quite high energy but this was an actual yeah. it tipped and i knew it tipped because it had gone from just being like high energy to like mind racing um insomnia um lack of self-awareness and there's so many things that I think, like, what caused, because I've been doing an energy course and I thought maybe I released some trauma from childhood and it made me go up. Or maybe it was just a buildup of not enough self-care. But then I thought, well, I was, I was getting plenty of self-care, but I was working really hard and I'm a mom, so I was trying to do that really well. And I don't, you know, I was that sort of analyzer in me was trying to work out what happened. But someone had said to me, oh, you know, you're not the sort of person that would end up in a mental hospital. And I was like, why? I have a mind. That's like saying you're not the sort of person that would end up in hospital with a broken bone. You're not the sort of person who would ever have a car that needs to go into a garage. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, just, it's just stupid. It's just an ignorance that's still there. So even though we've come on so much, actually being sectioned myself, although it was traumatic and awful for me and my family and friends, I'm partly thankful for it for all it's taught me, but it has really shown me how much stigma there is still there and how much work we have to do because, mm -hmm. you know, mental hospital is, yeah, it's, it's scary for people. It's You might find that part of the reason with yourself that it might have reached that stage mm -hmm. could be an effect of the underlying uh, negativity about about. Uh, discussing mental health so it was maybe like oh no it's, it's fine it's fine and just you know when when certain alarm bells started to ring you might have ignored them that's very very common uh, where we've all done it where if certain things happen in our life and if we ignore the alarm bells but it's really interesting that in the in that sort of entire field of mental health it's so common that people they're aware of them but they try to ignore them or don't register properly because it's quite a scary journey to go down to put your hand up and say, actually, look, I've got a problem here. Mm -hmm. You know, or I've got a mental health issue because people are like, you what? You know what I mean? It's just, it's so ridiculous. It really is. It's, it's actually, I'd say I'd take it a stage further than that because I think you see people going to the gym all the time and they're getting their, their body the way they want and they're getting fit and they're getting healthy. But I see mental health being the very same. 
And one thing I will say is uh, people have such a, a, a mind-blowing, uh, especially in the master classes where I've got people for three full days, people have such a life-changing event, which is fantastic, but it's just one event. If you don't incorporate that in your life constantly, everything that we went over and everything that we uh, done together, if you don't incorporate into your life, it's natural that life's problems and everything are going to slip back in and you're going to get into old habits. And it's just the same as not going to the gym. So I encourage people to say, look, even if it's online and you're only wanting to do something like a session every, every two or three months, it's worth it. You know, just like, I know it's corny, but you know, it's, you're worth it. And I say that to everybody. It's definitely, you must invest in yourself. And I think that's a big thing. I think as well, like I before I got the hypomania, mania, whatever, I, I'd been doing so much work, like so much meditation, but giving an awful lot of my energy to help others, but like lots of meditation, but there was some things that were pushed under. Like I remember saying to my husband, like, we need to talk through some stuff. And there was like differences and clashes. And uh, I was like, can we talk through, can you do this mindfulness course? And he didn't want to do it. And I was really upset because like lots of people are like, oh, it's great if you get your partner to do it. And I'd heard of some that had, and he wouldn't go and he was being really stubborn. And uh, it really got to me. And then I was like, you know, we should maybe do something to clear through these issues, but he wouldn't. So I guess it was maybe a bit resentment there on my part too. And maybe someone had spoke to me about mirroring. So like, now you say you've been with your partner since you're 20, is that right? Uh, 20 well we've been going out since uh goodness is terrible she'll shoot me uh we've been married for uh almost 28 years wow uh and we've been going out with each other for uh, just short of 30 years so wow that's amazing we went to the same primary school in the wow. same high school so when you've been with someone for so long now at the time when i was getting unwell we'd been together like 12 years or something like that and i was thinking about mirroring you know so when you're with someone uh, all this time you can maybe pick up their trauma they've not dealt with and stuff so that was something someone else was saying to me oh maybe you've picked up some trauma and you're taking it on and you know my head was really like because i know so much about mental health i was just like i don't know i don't know what it is i don't know what's happened so it's it's quite a you know you have to go quite deep but it's quite a journey you know yeah it is it is a what i would say is they're all work everything is you know there's people that have got physical uh like i mean inherent issues to do with brain trauma and things like this mm. uh and there's certain conditions as well that uh, people have to manage but everything's brought about through problems in our daily life and the way we either address or don't address certain issues and things in our lives these can be dealt with uh so effectively really so effectively and it's it's a funny thing i never i never would have thought you know 30 years ago that the words uh authenticity uh and positivity but I, specifically authenticity i would never thought have thought that was such an important going to be such an important word in my life and when i see people it's only when they become completely authentic and you know in my classes and they just say you know what 
I'm going to let it out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, this happened. This is what I've been through. But I have certain techniques that I've learned that are, are brilliant at bringing it out of someone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and there's people that don't want to say anything. And it's hard because, you know, I can't, you know, I can't smack them across the head and say, tell me, tell us, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. certain things when people, t when people share their journey, yeah. it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, I could swear I've seen people, I've seen people soak the floor with their tears wow. and walk out literally looking like they're two inches taller mm -hmm. and they walk out, come in, they come into the class, some of them like this, you know, and they go out like this. Oh, I feel amazing. You know, it's, and it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's a, uh, I, I had exactly that. I was, you know, I was, I was unaware of what I was turning into mm -hmm. when I first met my mentor who taught me, uh, Bernie Hiller from Los Angeles. And in my, and I, I'm no, I'm not afraid to say it. I had such a breakdown that in his class, I literally, uh, I cried for three days. Wow. I spewed and I pissed myself. Wow. I mean, I just had complete convulsions and I was like, I was so embarrassed. I just, it was just like, I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. Do you know what? It was the greatest thing in my life because I, I changed that day. I became a different person. My life track changed that day and it went on a completely different course forever. Irreversible. And it's, uh, and after going around different countries doing the same, doing classes with the same person, Bernie, he's, he's brilliant. Uh, he, I think it was 2014, 2015, he asked me to teach. Mm -hmm. And I felt so silly because he says, I really think you should start teaching. He says, I'd like you to, he took me aside in private. He said, I'd like you to consider teaching. I was like, teaching what? He's like, teaching this, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, Ah, it's 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 brilliant. So, but again, you mentioned tears, and the first thing people are like, "Whoa, I don't want to do that." You know, what if people think I'm this or that? You know, what will people say? It's it's nonsense. The minute you show your vulnerability, that's when everyone falls in love with you. Yeah. Did was it sort of transformational breathing or something that brought it out? Because I've heard people that go into a session like that and they they completely lose it. They're crying, they're laughing, they're hysterical. Um, so that can be quite an intense way for people to, to dig deeper or is it different techniques? No, it's, it's just things like, uh, I'm not going to do it during this, but if I was to ask you certain questions mm -hmm. and take a journey through part of your life and uh, you can tell what questions to ask to get to the nitty gritty of somebody's issues. And I mean, we all, we all have, one thing I say in the classes at the very start, I say, but look, every single thing you do, you, the way you look at someone, the eye contact, the lack of eye contact, the way you do your hair, the way you don't do your hair, your clothing, your voice, your posture, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you listen, the way you don't listen, it's never ending. Every one of these things is recorded and observed by every single person you meet at all times. But you know what? It's also judged. They can't, nobody can help it. 
it's inbuilt and it just keeps on recording and recording. So you right away, your body, you can't help it. You're, oh, don't like this person. They've maybe done a couple of things you just, you, your inbuilt defense system doesn't like. So it's all about how, what we give off at all times is a reaction to our experience mm -hmm. at all times. So if I ask a person a certain question, and they answer this, this, or this. I know what question to ask next, mm -hmm. and next, and next, until eventually we get to the feelings where they've got a choice. They're standing on the edge of the cliff, and they can either jump into the deep, beautiful blue ocean, or they can run away and hide. And thankfully, you know, in all my time, I think I've only had maybe one person who's run away and hid. Wow. And... It's, uh, so it's great. People are, and the, the wonderful thing is the proof of the pudding is in the eating when you see people at the end just so full of love, mm -hmm. so full of love. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing that, you know, you know you're doing something right when you see that. It's changing people's lives. So the work turns uh, down the analyzer in a sense that the judgmental because you, you hear about people that have had spiritual awakening and whatever, where they just feel so much love. Now, I've a few months before I took on well, when I was getting into a lot of deep meditation and stuff, I had like a, a few moments where I was just full of love and it felt like a very spiritual experience. And yeah. it was like all judgment was gone and anyone that had hurt me, I just had all this love pouring out of me. Um, is that the kind of thing you speak of where it's like you've released all this stuff and then you've well yeah but it's a lot of the things like a lot of my exercises I do are one to one so I'll have two people facing each other mm. and so a lot of the exercises are things like where you are looking in someone's eyes for mm. over an hour wow. and you're not allowed and you're not allowed to break eye contact <laughs> you have to hold their hands and look in their eyes and as they're looking in I take them on a journey and if I see anyone looking away or whisper, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not mean, but I'll, I'll be on it right away telling them, <laughs> hey, you know what to do, leave, you know, because yeah. I don't want them, I don't want them disturbing anyone else who's taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's amazing. So when you start doing that, there's a wonderful phenomenon. If I've got a person here and a person here, right? So the whole class is in twos and then I'll go around and I'll talk to, this, this is only on, four or five different exercises I do, but I'll go and talk to one particular couple and I'll start talking to them, mentioning things that I think I can see. And then what you, what you get is one of them will spot something in the other one that they need to come out with. Mm -hmm. Something that quite often, as I say, it's in our, our secrets things that we haven't told anyone. That's where fear grows wild. It, it really takes over. And so people keep these things secret. But see, when it, it's a phenomenon when one person looking in their eyes, this person starts feeling what this person should be feeling. This person starts crying their tears. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's an amazing phenomenon. So what you get is people actually, quite often they'll come out and say, I feel so sorry because I think this has happened to this person. And you'd be amazed how often they nail it like that. Why not just from looking at them? Aye, but you're looking at them for a long time. That one's, it's, that's called the eyes or the window of the soul. Yeah. And it's, 
it's quite it's quite a deep it's one of the early exercises in the, the whole series of them but it's still quite deep and it's it's uh do you it's really it's really revealing when people immerse themselves do you find with people it's more like it's one big thing or could it be a few things that have happened you know because with trauma what could be a huge deal to someone isn't to someone else so you know you could have been through a breakup or something like that and it's really damaged someone whereas the other person's like oh no just wasn't meant to be loved them but got to let go kind of thing yeah there's there's almost one root almost always one root cause mm -hmm. you know something uh, that triggers something and uh, it's quite interesting uh, there's a, a Gabor Mate book called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts and Gabor spoke to all his life he spoke to drug addicts and without exception he says after all his 25 years of working with drug addicts on the streets in Canada uh, he has never came across anyone who can't once he does therapy with them, who didn't relate it to where it started to go wrong at a specific time in their childhood. And it's, that's quite amazing. That's people who are stuck on drugs, their lives are ruined. And they can, I mean, that, this is people, hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, and he says he hasn't came across anyone who hasn't had their addictions after therapy where they could relate it to a single day where things started to go wrong. Wow. Quite often, our subconscious knows this and we ignore it mm. and we try and get on uh, it's, it's so sad uh, I'm not going to talk about individual cases in, in my book I've completely I mentioned a few cases but I, I, a few people but I, I changed names locations dates everything like that I've even changed the sex quite often uh, but it's it's quite amazing to hear with someone who's de dealt with it at the high, at the high end of sort of where people have really, you know, many of them have taken their own lives. But through their therapies, they were able to find out uh, what caused it. So I, I think most of the people I speak to, when we do things in the class, they can relate it to either one specific thing or one specific relationship. Mm. And it's, it is, it's really heartbreaking. But, uh, but the methods, to heal anyone it's amazing the actual method the, you might take a different road and turn left and right until you're in the class until eventually you all get to the same goal mm -hmm. and it's all about learning to love yourself first mm -hmm. it's learning to not accept people not treating you well yeah it's learning to tell the truth yeah. i don't feel good i feel like this or i feel like that uh -huh. yeah. and it's and it's uh, about acceptance Mm -hmm. what's went wrong acceptance of pain what causes you pain and it's about being able to talk about it freely saying i'm not going to hide this mm -hmm. i wouldn't hide it if i broke my arm mm -hmm. so i'm not going to hide this and when people can do that they stand tall and it's it, that's where the journey to healing begins mm -hmm. i've found yeah, and it's such amazing when you speak about being authentic, to be able to do that in every situation, be it in a, a work environment, in your relationship at home with your kids, or, you know, just being able to speak out like that and really follow that intuition in a deeper place, right? Right, right. And to be able to 
feel it. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing I always say is to feel your way through life. Yeah. To feel your way. I've actually, I'll be honest, I've switched my brain off for a lot of stuff. I think the brain is a self-defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everything you want to do that your heart yearns for, your brain says, oh no, what if somebody thinks this? Yeah. You know, I remember even when I was thinking about climbing Kilimanjaro uh, a couple of years ago there, I'm, I'm like, oh man, this would be so cool. And the brain's like, what if you don't get to the top? What if you don't raise any money for the charity? What if you can't afford it? What if you hurt yourself? What if, what if, what if, you know, what if you fail? That's what it's about. What if you fail? And uh, but the heart's like, but fuck it, I want to go. Sorry, I'm allowed to swear on this. <laughs> yes, it's uncut. It's all good. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, but it's well, it, that's exactly what it's just to be able to, uh, you know, be your authentic self and say, I want to go. I want to do this. It's going to be great standing atop Africa, watching the sunrise yeah. across a whole continent. Uh, that sort of thing. And knowing you're raising money to help people who they're getting no help from anyone it's it's a kind of great thing so uh, I, I you know I love all of that but that's authenticity I think is being able to say I'm doing it because I want to do it why do you want to do it because it feels right it feels right yeah yeah it's powerful feeling your way through life I think that will have to be the title of this podcast I'm going to write it down feel your way through life so how do you I feel like that. how do you feel your way I mean did you have a breakthrough of oh right this is my thing do you think everyone has a, a thing a kind of what was it you called a trigger or a I can't remember the word you used for it but the root the root I, I mean I had that that was the start of the change for me that was where everything changed was at these first classes but we still have to be able to learn mm-hmm. and a uh, I wasn't learning I, I mean I had a change in my life but there's a lot of things I wasn't learning and I remember, it's strange because we're teaching our classes, if all your arrows in your life point to me, 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 mm-hmm. you're going to fail. You're going to mm-hmm. fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're, not, if you're not pointing out to help this person, help that project, help this other, anybody, any, any sort of school or neighbour or friend in need, if all your things are pointing me, 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 you know, I don't think the universe is going to be that keen on helping you. Mm-hmm. you know it's just I think it's just no that it's no the way it works I really believe that uh it's I've been saying life supports what supports life uh and it's true when you do things where you're helping and you're trying to have a positive influence on everyone and everything around you people appear from anywhere to help you it's <laughs> It's incredible. It comes down to, as you were saying, like loving yourself first, though, so that that fear doesn't take over your life. Because when you love yourself more, then you've got more to give, and you've, you know, you've got you've got this energy about you, right? And as you say, yeah, help just comes. I remember being invited in by um like Borthwick Castle. I don't know if you know of it, but it's like a really kind of. Luxury. Oh, I know Borthwick Castle. I've been to weddings there. Ah, so when I launched my book in 2018, they, they invited me in one morning and um, 
they, they could see all the work I'd been doing and plugging away with mental health. And they say, we want to sponsor your entire book launch. And, you wow. know, the month before I'd been stressing because I had people wanting to do the event, but they were giving me all these prices. And I was just like, like, I just don't have the budget for this. And then like the most luxury castle in Scotland, like uh, we're going to spot, we're going to give you on a Saturday, the entire castle is yours for the day. It was just the most amazing event with like family. That's amazing. It was amazing. Press bloggers, like, and just my mate, uh, my mate who was my best man had his wedding there. Oh really? It's just such it's a, a magical, great place, a magical place. But it was like as you're saying, like, you know, I was like, oh, so much, and then things just happen when you're when you really really care, and you're doing things with the right intention. It just works out, doesn't it? It really does, and I think it's why, uh, you know, this sounds a bit controversial, but I actually, I don't believe in democracy. I think it's a piece of nonsense. It just, it lets the rich get to the top and they can shit on everybody else. But a meritocracy provides a situation where everyone who does good mm-hmm. climbs, climbs into the positions of power. Mm-hmm. You know, they call it, they call it the Star Trek <laughs> civilization, that, that way we live in, where... There's no money. People do things for the good of society. But I think a meritocracy is would be such a great thing. And I think or I think society will eventually reach that at some point. But where people are genuinely moved into positions of power and prominence by the the one-to-one good that they do with everything that they are. I mean, you have to you have to think what's I actually see billionaires as a disease. I don't know what the disease is called, but how can someone have billions of pounds and look at someone starving? Mm-hmm. I, I just cannot, I, I cannot believe that. Now, these people do acts of kindness, mm-hmm. but they do acts of kindness that won't even make a dent in a tiniest percentage of their savings, but even on the interest on a tiniest percentage of their savings. Most of them, most of them. I just think... Uh, so I, it is, uh, I'm a right believer in a meritocracy, but I do believe in that exactly that. If we're all, uh, if we all do good mm-hmm. constantly, you know, it's a, uh, what was it? I think it was, was it Buddha? that said that the greatest teacher is not he with the most students, but he pro- who produces the most teachers. Mm, yeah. So, the person who can live the life in a way that everyone else wants to live like that because they're helping everybody. People come out of the woodwork to, to help you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's amazing. But to do, it, it's like a deeper place. I, I said in a piece of writing, so I'd written 50,000 words for my second book and then I got sick and I was like, oh, I, I just I can't fully go back to it yet. But um, I was saying like, you know, money can buy happiness for people, but joy is like an inside job, right? It can't buy you joy. So there's only so mm-hmm. much money can comfort and freedom money can provide, but it can't, right. it can't do the deeper stuff. And that is an inside job, right? It's, it's stripping right. through the layers. And, and I guess, you know, you look at people, leaders like Trump and stuff, and it, it's kind of ego led. There's a lot of ego led leaders, but there's a lot of heart led leaders, so it's the mm. heart-led leaders that create more leaders and, you know, inspire and, and, and do amazing things. And then it's the ego 
led leaders, but then you could argue, well, the people that are ego led have to do more work, right? Because they've not stripped away. So perhaps what the root of the problem is, they're trying so hard to be something or they don't know who they really are. They think they do, but they don't, or they're not dealing with things. Would you agree? Aye, aye. But I think a lot of people choose to ignore it. A lot of people, you know, you mentioned leaders there. I don't believe, you know, I don't believe there's, there's virtually not a single politician out there or a single leader that I would, I would look at and say, wow, there's a, there's a great person. You know, I, I just, because a career politician, is, I, th I think it's like Billy Connolly says, just, just the want to become a politician should bar you from ever being one. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I, I see them all, they're all in it for themselves. Uh, a, a, I forget the name of the book I read recently, uh, all about the offshore accounts that, you know, the the files that were all exposed mm -hmm. uh, several years ago. And it's, you know, it's hard to believe, I'm not going to mention any names, but it's hard to believe the names that were in this that are supposed to be doing good. People that are like peace envoys for the UN and stuff like this. You know, they've got hundreds of millions of illegal money in offshore accounts. Mm. And you're just like, you know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. But I think I've learned that if we all do our own bit and we stick in our own world uh, and help who we can, then you can circumvent past these ideas and just keep helping, keep being proud of the change that you're doing uh, and I think you just have to accept that because you're not going to change these the people in power and the people who don't care and the multi-billionaires you know one day someone in that sort of position might do something amazing and change the world you know and help everyone but it's there's too many people that are just self 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 but remember it's not their fault because they are only reacting to their history of life there to everything that's ever happened to them and everything they've ever undergone they're only reacting to that so and a lot of people say blame the parents because it well the parents are only a product of their upbringing so well, it's, it's, it's a hard one generations of learned behavior and as you say challenging it and speaking up and saying this isn't right this doesn't feel right and you know they say respect your elders but older isn't always wiser <laughs> no that is true that is so true in fact older like you have to think uh, certainly for me now i'm i turned 50 uh, in just over a month and i look at the generation above me and they they all had to endure the war the second world war and the aftermath of the war Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and what effect would that have on you how how much would that harden you mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. I, uh, and I think you know it's, it's, it is a really interesting thing to think everyone's a product of their own history of yeah. their own history of experience so I think it's trying to give yourself that chance to say you know what because a lot, a lot of things, I'm sure you mentioned it a minute ago, like generational, but uh, you can stop the damage because it does actually follow in patterns. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. follows in patterns from generation to generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And you can actually say, you know what, it stops 
right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Wolin wrote, I think, in his book, It Didn't Start With You. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool where it's like he's explaining uh, not how we are what we are, but mm-hmm. why we are what we are. Mm-hmm. And by looking back the way, you can find out the big why, but you can stop it, you can change it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I love. Uh, I, I get faced with that a lot in my classes, actually, generational things, mm-hmm. where, where parents and caregivers are treating their, the ones they're supposed to love mm-hmm. in a terrible way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because of things that have happened in the parents' life. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. such a shame. It's such a shame, but it's also great when you see people that have just realised this. It's like a bell, and they've went, "Oh my God!" You know, mm-hmm. I've not told them; they've came out with it themselves, yeah. just with their authentic uh, discussion. Yeah. And it's then they have a platform to try to start working it out and healing. Do mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so you like the healing process? I mean, what makes someone? What do you believe makes someone take that step to heal? as opposed to just saying, suppressing, suppressing, carrying the baggage. It's the pain. People don't want to be living with this pain. Mm-hmm. And when they get the chance, some people are not even aware mm-hmm. that they've got this pain until they realize that it's been affecting their relationships. Mm-hmm. And when you give them an opportunity, it, this sounds really weird, but when you give them an opportunity in a controlled environment, Mm-hmm. where there is no judgment, where everyone can come out with whatever they want mm-hmm. and there's no judgment and everyone is, I mean, we're very much a hugging class, mm-hmm. all of my classes. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing stopped just now because of COVID, but we're very much a hugging class mm-hmm. and people understand, you know, we even have a, an exercise on hugging, mm-hmm. which is quite an emotional exercise and it's about the contract that is in hugging. People don't realise, they just think, oh, you know, but there's like a thousand things in a hug mm-hmm. that the brain, calcul- you can't help it. The brain calculates mm-hmm. and it can tell, was that a wholesome person who just hugged me? Or was it somebody who's really shallow? You can't help it. Your brain makes a calculation for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we always try to get to the point where everyone, when they, when by the end of the class, is immersing themselves into the other person to say, I love you mm-hmm. unconditionally, you know, and it's, you get to know people at that level. It's, it's brilliant. My, one of my lines in 2019 was don't be a stingy hugger. And, uh, and then COVID hit and I went from all these really long and, and we would laugh and hold them for over 20 seconds. There's a debate. It's either 20 seconds, some say 25 to get the oxytocin hit of hugging. Um, but a lot of the hugs, you know, when you get like a really one second kind of <laughs> like, hugging. Um, so I'm you can really... get it from a one. You can get it from a one second hug. Trust me. <laughs> really? You can get it from a one. Oh, from a one second hug because it's about how immersive you know there's lots lots of things you know uh you know did did your hug just involve the cheek did your hug involve the face did your hug involve the necks touching each other did your (laughs) chin touch the back of the person's shoulder did your hands go right around the person or did did you disconnect did you tap the person's back because that's an interesting one 
Oh, is that a bad you thing? If you're tapping somebody's back, that's actually, in some instances, that's accepted as a disconnect. You know, oh. you're you're disconnecting the hug, whereas someone, someone who hugs like this and and who's fully immersive might even rub your back. You know, it's like, uh, and it's does the hug go further down the body? You know, does because it, it, it's it's all intimacy. You know, and some people think intimacy is a dirty word. It's nothing to do with. Uh, sexuality or sexualness or anything like that is to do with immersing yourself into someone else mm-hmm. to say I love you and it's I get people saying sometimes how could I say I love you I've just met them you know I'll tell you what you'd soon be able to say it if you were the last person on earth with that person it's a mm-hmm. uh, it's my starting point is always I love you always oh that's so nice so nice and talk people to are afraid to say that publicly a lot of people they're just afraid they're like yeah what if? <laughs> yeah yeah there's a fear there again it's vulnerability isn't it it's you know it, it can be a hard word for many to say but um, Aye, especially the people who find it hard are those who have never had it said to them mm-hmm. someone someone brought up in a wholesome environment with a lot of intimacy has no problem mm-hmm. with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do a bit of, quite a bit on that in my book as well. Uh, although <laughs> my book, I think mine's is over one hundred and fifty thousand words, so it's quite a bit of reading. But mm-hmm. it's it's really uh, there's a whole section about this immersive bit of the hug, but also of the type of people who just can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people who just can't, uh, and it's a shame. It's I made up my, my mind. My, I didn't grow up in a lovey, a family that was lovey-dovey sort of thing. You know, I call it lovey-dovey, but a family that was intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd, uh, my experience of it, of it is that we had no intimacy. We mm-hmm. talked about love a lot, but uh, there was very little in truth. So when I found this in Bernie Hiller's classes, it was like, wow. You know, it was like finding a world within a world mm-hmm. where you know, this expression of intimacy and people openly wanting to know you, wanting to to tell you I love you, if I'm, I'm here for you, that sort of thing. It's uh, it's fantastic. It really is. It's amazing. <laughs> and you've been, uh, you know, in a, a long relationship. So would you, you have tips for people? Because these days, you know, staying together with someone that long is not as well. Is it 50% chance? Or <laughs> I think, I think you've got to, you've got to, uh, be like all in. Uh-huh. If it's one thing, you know, to have a foundation, to have a good life, mm-hmm. a great life. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing you've got to have is to know love in your life every single day. So you've got to find the right person. Mm-hmm. And to me, when you want to commit to that person, and the person commit to you then you know to me you've got you've got to be flexible to that person's needs mm-hmm. you know you've got to you've got to expect them to be flexible to your needs mm-hmm. uh, so I think I think reasonable flexibility mm-hmm. is always a great thing but always always intimacy as well you know we're constantly saying I love you I love you and and 
hugging and that sort of thing. It's, uh, I think that's a big thing. There's, there's a lot of couples when you talk about stuff like this in a class, uh, you can talk about what people don't do and you can talk about what people, loving people that, that do immerse themselves into their partner. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about things like this, you'll always find one or two start crying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's they're 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 in, on a journey where they're realising that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. They've maybe not got that, and it's uh, I'm not saying every, everybody should stay together all the time. That's that would be crazy if people are incompatible. People make mistakes, but I think uh, at what was it? It'll be nearly thirty years since I stand out, so. I think we've got one thing right. <laughs> wow. It's a, uh, and it's 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 just that that sort of journey. But being flexible, that's what I would say. I'll tell you, she's flexible with me. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the amount of times we've been going to go, the amount of times on holiday where I've had to change a holiday because my agent's phoned, and you know, I remember uh, case histories. It was, <laughs> which was a. Uh, Oh, what's his name? I forget his name. He's a really good actor. The guy that played Lucius Malfoy's dad in Harry Potter. And uh, But I had to come back. I, I was literally, we parked the car at Newcastle. We were walking to the airplane. And my phone goes, it's my agent. She says, listen, you've got that part in case histories. And I was like, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. She says, now, where are you? Because they need you back. and They need you here in four days for a rehearsal. I was like, you are kidding. I couldn't believe it. It's just, so, uh, this happens a lot. In fact, it's happened on another holiday as well. We had to come back for a fight scene rehearsal. And it's just, you have to do it. So, I remember that fight scene all the way to Portugal. And I had to come all the way back for a full day fight scene rehearsal. And then all the way back to Portugal again. It's uh, it's not very earth-friendly. But, oh, but you you can't do what you got to do. Well, my wife, she's flexible. She was great. You know, it's, I felt terrible leaving her with my three sons over there. And uh, but then another couple of days without me. So uh, actually, it's three days because the day I left, the day that I had my rehearsal, and then I flew back the next day and got there in time for evening. So it's like three days. Mm-hmm. But if you want these roles, you've got to do it. So you've yeah. got to be all in. You've got to, you've got to go for it. And I'm really looking forward to reading your book. It sounds so interesting. And I'm sure like 150,000 words crammed with experience. Well, there's, there's an idea. If you can see that there's how thick it is. Wow. (laughs) So uh, it's, I'm really proud of it. And I feel it's got, it's got a journey. It tells my journey, but it also tells a healing journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, and I think for people that have been through things, it, it, there's lots. I think if somebody was to have a, a highlighter and put through things that really could help them, mm-hmm. you might find there's, you know, you know, 750 or 1,000 really cracking tips for life yeah. that, you know, that could really help. Uh, and it's just, uh, I sort of took diaries of everything since I started that sort of, cla- they sort of classes and then it's, looking back on my life and understanding who I was, why I was, why, all that sort of thing. So, uh, so I, it's, uh, the, I, I hope you get a chance to read it. I wanted to offer you a signed copy for uh, anyone 
that's on your site that fancies a signed copy. Yeah. Uh, so you can, if they, if you want, I'll give you a wee question. Yeah. You can give them, and off camera I'll tell you what the answer is. But oh, uh, it's if uh, well here you go. I cycled across Australia, mm -hmm. uh, Western Australia, and at what what location did I finish my cycle? And it's a uh, it was in papers. It was in uh, I think it was even on telly. Uh, but it was in loads of different things uh, online. So if anybody's interested and they want a copy of the book, a signed copy for free, if they answer that, where in Australia did I finish my cycle? And uh, you can give me their address, but I'll give you the answer afterwards. Oh, thank you so much. Well, that's so kind. And it's been so interesting to chat to you and hear more about what you do. So keep inspiring, keep up the great work. Um, Brilliant. Course sounds amazing, and we'll look out for any more TV appearances. Or <laughs> hi, great, great, and it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to because I did. I went on and I looked back some of your stuff online as well. So, well done, you. Uh, really inspiring, and I think it's it's brilliant. You get the opportunity to make a to use your experience to help people and to change people's lives. So, uh, well done. If I was with you right now, I'd give you a huge big hug. Oh well, virtual hugs, virtual hugs. And do you, do you have a song, um, that an inspiring song people can add to their playlist this week, or just have a listen and get a mojo injection? Uh, great song I love, uh, the Winter Song by uh, is it Lindisfarne? Uh -huh. The Winter Song. I don't know if you know that one. I'll, I'm not good with names. The winter song. I probably, I'm, I'll probably like play it, and then I'll be like, oh yeah. Well, if you play it, if you play it, listen to the words, mm -hmm. and you'll find it'll give you. A, it's it's quite a quite a bit where it talks about or it mentions our greed. Mm -hmm. I never really realised it, and the song grew in me uh, more and more and more. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, you can actually listen to it, and it's like a mini meditation. Really? Uh, you mentioned med you mentioned meditations earlier. Well, actually, uh, I'll have to send you something that you can listen to. As a meditation I've done, and I think you'd really like it. It's uh, takes you back to your childhood, and it's about finding your purpose. So I'll drop you a link, and oh, you can feel free to share it. Yeah, well, uh, I'll put in a blog um, that'll do following this when it goes live. So that would be really good. Cool, cool. So winter song by Lindisfarne. We can use this as a meditation. Check it out, connect with the lyrics and yeah, it's always good to hear of new tunes. And your boots no longer lie about the cold around your feet. Do you spare a thought for summer Whose passage is complete Whose memories lie in ruins And whose ruins lie in heat When winter Lovely guitar Comes howling 
winter is certainly howling in at the moment. Be nice to get a little bit of warmth soon. When the wind is singing strangely, blowing music through your head, and your rain splattered windows make you decide to stay in bed. Do you spare a thought for the homeless tramp who wishes he was dead? Or do you pull your bed clothes higher, dream of summertime instead when winter? Comes howling in The creeping cold has fingers That caresses without permission And mystic crystal snowdrops Only aggravate the condition do you spare one thought for the gypsy and the closer your position? Who's turned and spun by village and town at the magistrate's decision when winter comes Certainly some really thought-provoking lyrics here, aren't they? See what Fran meant by using them as a, a meditation and music so good for opening up our minds and challenging us and getting us to think about things from a different perspective. In the oven and the Christmas presents are bought and Santa's in his module He's an American astronaut Do you spare one thought for Jesus Who had nothing but his thoughts Who got busted just for talking And befriending the wrong sort When winter What a lovely song. Thank you so much, Fran, for introducing us to that. Maybe you know it well. In winter. Comes howling in. Guys, be kind to yourself. Sending you all the love, good vibes, mojo. Mwah, you got this.